Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin Ware here. Electronically Yours, as always. Very interesting discussion today. We had a few technical problems, but um, Gary Dennis Hines, who's the leader and the only original surviving member of Sounds of Blackness, who are an exciting performance group. They're dealing, um, they've been around for a long time, 30 years or more, and they deal in different elements of black music, jazz, blues, R&B, gospel, spirituals, hip-hop, reggae, soul. But the, I suppose the most interesting and exciting thing about them is that they are, you know, social activists, so both Gary, who's the kind of leader, I suppose, of the whole thing, keeps it all together. But it's more of a collective as well. For instance, their latest um, bunch of tracks included a song called Time for Reparations and Black Lives Matter and the Juneteenth uh, celebrations, which, are, which is the latest release. They incorporate all the different elements of black music in America and it's about positivity and education. They've won um, Grammys and various other awards. And uh, it's, you know, it's quite an amazing community of, of uh, musicians. And uh, how on earth Gary manages to keep them all together and, and, and keep, the, keep the truck rolling is quite something. So I've got a lot of admiration for that, as you will hear in the forthcoming discussion that we are about to have right now. Here is Gary Jennings Hines from Sounds of Blackness. I mean, I've seen kind of a few interviews with you, and it's um, it's it's a it's a little bit daunting because you are so uh, not only you've had a lot of successes, but I mean, you are a massive activist, and I really, uh, you know, I'm an activist too in my own way. I try and do what I can for the uh, for the good causes, but you really knock it out of the park. So how did that all start? Where did your where did your moral where does your moral um, uh, kind of drive come from? Do you think uh, that goes all the way back to my childhood in Yonkers, New York? All uh, all did that. Um, raised that way um, with uh, awareness of, of social uh, equality and injustice and uh, activity uh, from my childhood in, in Yonkers, New York. So it began at home is, is probably the short answer to your question. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and your parents, uh, tell me about them. Okay, well, um, my father's side of the family, and both of them are, are deceased, but father's side of the family is uh, from uh, North Carolina. Right. Uh, he uh, and his family migrated to uh, Yonkers, New York. Uh, Mom, he was uh, a master upholsterer. Um, he uh, met my mother, Doris Hines, who actually is a, a world-renowned jazz. Uh, traveled the world uh, and kind of paved the way for Sounds of Blackness. Um, she originally, her side of the family is from Kingston, Jamaica. Right, and uh, of course they migrated to 
country, right? Made it to New York. And, and uh, so my mother and father actually met uh, in a, a black youth chorus in New York, uh, the Frank Park Corral, made my five siblings in Yonkers, New York. Fantastic. So, wow. So t tell me about the start of uh, Sounds of Blackness. I mean, obviously, you're wrapped up with the, the church, and that's pretty much where it must have started, I suppose. But it's such an enormous uh, uh, endeavor, which starts from a simple idea, it strikes me. So tell us about that. Okay. So actually, Sounds of Blackness origins are, are not in the church. Uh, oh, really? No, not at all. No, um, we uh, a couple of things were often uh, mislabeled as a gospel choir, uh, and we're neither nor gospel. Uh, we are a black music group. We do jazz, rock and roll. Hence, the the first clue is in our name, Sound of Blackness. So right. we couldn't call ourselves Sound of the Blackness. Just did R and B, or we just did gospel. We do every style of black music representing the culture. So that's the meaning and origin of the name. We began in my alma mater, McAllister College, here in the Twin Cities. Uh, and so we're celebrating our 51st anniversary as a group. But we've always done the full spectrum of black music from day one. Uh, jazz, rock and roll, R&B, reggae, ragtime, hip-hop, spirituals. Uh, again, hence the name Sounds of Blackness. Sure, sure. I understand that. Um, the the um, By the way, I love the latest... Uh, the latest release and the um, <laughs> it's taking no prisoners the time for reparations track that's for sure uh, I, I've got a lot of admiration for people and groups and artists who who uh, uh, stand uh, you know they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk and uh, it must have rattled a few cages when when that particular thing came out tell us about that oh absolutely you know um our past five releases, uh, singles, uh, have all been uh, very social justice uh, oriented, um, uh, Martin. And for example, uh, before Time for Reparations, uh, we did a Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired. And that was in response uh, to George Floyd's murder, which happened five blocks where we rehearsed. So, I mean, in, in many ways, so close to home. and. Radio, especially black radio here in the U.S., was looking for sounds of blackness to come through with another optimistic or hold on, you know, or the, the uplifting that, that they known for. Uh, and so for us, for them, rather, when we came out with uh, Sick and Tired, uh, that was an aberration for them. They were looking for something, you know, Sick and Tired is in a minor, Optimistic is in a happy major. Um, and so it was a real aberration for them, and I understood that. But what we had to let radio know was that this is not an aberration for us. Sounds of Blackness began in protest music when we were college students. So despite what we were known for in the, in the main media, uh, this was really a return to our roots. And uh, before uh, Sick and Tired, we had done the song, the single Black Lives Matter, uh, and then the single Royalty. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Time for Reparations. And now we just released a couple of weeks ago, uh, Juneteenth Celebration. And so all of those are, are social awareness uh, and, and, and justice songs. And uh, that's the roots of Sounds of Blackness. Excellent. I believe that, that um, there needs to be more acts that, that um, 
that talk about this rather than worrying about um, their paymasters, really. What I'm interested in, I suppose, for people in the UK in particular, uh, is finding out um, how how this works with the with the network of kind of um, US radio stations. What what support did you get with this? A uh, great question, because many, uh, not a lot, is the short answer, Martin. Um, again, right. uh, you know, radio in the main was looking for for something upbeat and uplifting, and everybody let's hold hands type of song from Black. Yeah. But that yeah. was just not uh, the mood of the streets of people um, of the movement. Uh, it needed to express anger. It needed to express outrage. It needed to express uh, a cry for social justice and equality, uh, as opposed to uh, um, filthy and the lilies together. And so uh, we did not enjoy, we enjoyed very little radio support for our past four or five singles that have been uh, socially justice oriented. And so, you know, we, we paid a price for that, um, literally and figuratively, but we would do it again a thousand times over because that's who we are, yes. what we do. Well, uh, that's a completely admirable sentiment as far as I'm concerned. So tell us about um, uh, famous alumni from Sounds of Blackness. I mean, um, is it true that Alexander O'Neill was involved? Is that correct? Yes, we're blessed with uh, a number of uh, famous alums. Um, Alexander O'Neill, before he joined the Flight Time Band, uh, when he moved here to Minneapolis from Natchez, Mississippi, the first group he joined was Sounds of Blackness. I'll never forget his audition. He he blew me away. Uh, I mean, I remember stopping the audition early, which I rarely do. Uh, I did that with him and then with Ann Nesby, of course, uh, who is another <laughs> of our, uh, you know, most famous alums. And then another name uh, from South. So that is a true, a true story. And he'd be the first to tell you that Alex would. And of course, so obviously we know about Anne. Uh, what a lot of people also don't know is uh, the great Cynthia Johnson. Now, they may not know that name, but if I say Funky Town, uh, everybody in the world. All that, right. And she would be the first to tell you that uh, she was a proud Sound of the Blackest member before embarking on her solo career. Wow. I um, I'm fascinated with this whole Minneapolis scene. Obviously, my love of Prince and uh, uh, and, and such things uh, it belies that fact. And then, so why do you th why do you think that part of the country has been so important for uh, innovative black music? We noticed, and when I say we, I mean the Heinz family. When we moved to Minneapolis from New York. What we noticed is that despite of, and Martin, probably because of uh, how small it was, it was a very close-knit community and very culturally vibrant. There were R&B groups here that would have rivaled any Motown group. Uh, Showtime Part 1 and 2, Philadelphia Story, Midwest Express, names I'm sure that, that you and your listeners haven't heard, but I mean, I saw with my own eyes, Maurice McGinnis and the Blazers. Um, there were blues artists here. Uh, and, and the reason we moved to Minneapolis is a reason a lot of people don't know. Uh, the Twin Cities was a jazz mecca uh, in the 50s, 60s. Uh, my mother, who was booked for two weeks, 
uh, in the Twin Cities from New York, from Minneapolis, wound up being held over for a year and fell in love with the Twin Cities. So that's how and wow. we moved from Yonkers, New York to Minneapolis. So very vibrant. Uh, black. That's where a prince, uh, uh, my longtime uh, friend and brother for over 40 years, uh, his dad was a part of that. As a, as a musician and writer, Jimmy Jam, uh, his dad, his dad, Cornbread Harris, still at 90, is a great blues musician, performer. So we we didn't just uh, wow. Prince, Jam and Lewis, Sounds of Blackness. We just didn't evolve in a vacuum. We came from something, and that something was the very tight-knit uh, African-American community here in the Twin Cities. Fantastic. Yeah, so... Your uh, connection with Jam and Lewis is strong, right? I mean, I'm, a, I'm such an enormous fan of their work. Uh, in fact, I'm trying to uh, get in contact with them so that I can uh, ask them if they'd kindly take part in the, in the podcast. Because I think um, when we were growing up in Sheffield in the north of England, we, um, we idolised a lot of uh, black American R&B uh, groups, particularly pop bar and B, especially, and um, you know, of course, uh, Jam and Lewis were the uh, were the dons of that particular thing for us. Yeah. Um, but what I lo- what I loved about it uh, uh, was obvious. It was it was it was innovative. But I don't think they. I mean, I think they get a lot of credit amongst you know people who know in the music industry, and obviously they sold a lot of records. But I don't think they get enough credit for the way that they changed the, the the scene. You know, they changed the expectations of how good a record could sound and how funky it could be yeah. and uh, from a production point of view. And, and I think they deserve, you know, all the kudos uh, that, that I, I could give them, certainly. And because uh, and, and, it's, you know, when we talk about electronic pop music in Britain, it's often white music. To, you know, it's pretty bluntly, and uh, the black element of it rarely gets acknowledged in the same way. Uh, what do you think about all that? No, I, I agree wholeheartedly, Martin. Um, they are really just in uh, a force of nature, and they always have been. Um, our families, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the Hines and Harris family, the Hines and Lewis family, literally go back to the 70s before anybody knew any of our names. And, uh, you know, thank God those relationships continue to this day uh, um, and and uh, we're not uh, in any way uh, impeded or damaged by Jam and Lewis's fame or by Prince's fame. Uh, what they did was in fact to include us. So that's why Sounds of Blackness were the first artists signed to Jam and Lewis's label, Perspective Records. Uh, that, <laughs> that really surprised wow. and I know upset many people, uh, you know, because <laughs> uh, Jam and Lewis, you know, uh, Perspective Records was under A&M, which was under Polygram, which, as I know you know, at the time was, was the world's biggest distributor. And no doubt when Polygram and A&M uh, gave Jam and Lewis their label, Perspective Records, they expected that they uh, they would lure over the artists that they were working with, uh, you know, the the uh, Janets and the Michaels and the Human Leagues and the the uh, George Michaels and all of those. And lo and behold, who's the first group they signed? Sounds of Blackness. So the reaction was, sound who? <laughs> and how many of them are there? How are we going to market? 
what, what are you doing? But they were undaunted in, in making Sound of the Blackness the first uh, artist on their label. Wow. So for people who don't know, um, particularly in Europe, because I think um, Sounds of Blackness, I mean, you you, you have won many uh, awards, including Grammys and... Uh, and uh, Emmy, uh, not Emmys. What uh, you've won various other musical awards anyway, uh, world famous ones. But but um, I think what they don't know is that you, as a producer, uh, have worked with just about uh, the entire um, range of gods in Asgard, uh, of of including including Quincy Jones and Prince and. You know, Usher and Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson and Luther Vandross and Aretha and Elton John and Johnny Gill and Patti LaBelle and Dolly Parton and Sting. I mean, it's just an insane amount of uh, amount of work you've done. Um, can you tell us... Um, oh, my God. All right, tell us about Quincy Jones. Obviously, he is my all-time favourite yeah. producer. And tell me about Quincy. Uh, Quincy is to my mind, uh, the present day embodiment of, of the man I feel was the greatest composer for me in history, Duke Ellington. I believe that, that uh, Quincy is, is the incarnation of Duke Ellington, uh, embracing all the music again. In fact, Duke Ellington is Sounds of Blackness music mentor because we hear Duke's name and we think of jazz as we should, but Duke wrote, recorded, and performed spirituals, blues, uh, African music, every sound of blackness. So we we had a template uh, to follow. We the sound we didn't create that, but I believe that Quincy Jones is the embodiment uh, and and the current incarnation uh, of Duke Ellington, uh, bringing together all the elements of music, all the musicians and artists, and that level of excellence. Yes, and um, it, I mean every time I see uh, documentaries with Quincy or whatever, he seems to be a good laugh as well. Is that, <laughs> is that the case? Oh, 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 yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, he, he uh, is, is not only extraordinarily uh, intelligent and gifted, um, but at the same time, uh, everyday people, uh, an, an ordinary bloke, as you guys would say, in, in a lot of ways, which would surprise people, um, but, but he really is. In the words of Sly Stone, everyday people. So um, how, how much uh, touring of Europe and the UK have you done? Sounds of Blackness. We are blessed to say, Martin, that the UK is uh, has been and is since 1991 uh, our number one market, uh, and uh, so we we love it in the UK. And the UK was the first uh, international market to really and take sounds to one, and then right after them was Japan. Wow! So you're. Um Right, so the UK has always been a kind of uh, fertile uh, kind of support network for for uh, American black American artists coming over. And in fact, well, absolutely, yeah, Tina Turner and well, Motown in Motown originally, obviously, was massively popular in the UK, and uh, and then re-exported back to the, to the US, and likewise, Tina. Um, Broke it first in Europe, really, when she came back, and uh, and uh, and then and then of course America caught up. Um, so, I mean, my town of Sheffield in the north has always been a soul town, and we we used to have a lot of um, 
soul and R&B based nightclubs and um, it was a big influence on us. It wasn't just, we were just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of guys messing around with synthesizers. I mean, we always try to incorporate a degree of soul and sometimes even funk into what we did. So um, yeah, it's, it's important to acknowledge, I think for people that, that there is this kind of uh, symbiotic thing going on between the UK and the US over, um, you know, black influenced music. Oh, you know, we, we can't help but uh, acknowledge uh, that the UK uh, uh, connectivity uh, of, with black music, whether we're talking about the Beatles or going back to the blues artists, uh, you know, Willie Dixon. I mean, I mean, just on and on. I mean, and, and, and the, the famous uh, Beatles first interview off the plane when all the hundreds of reporters uh, had them on the tarmac, even they hadn't even landed good and they were interviewing them yet. And, and asked, uh, they asked uh, Paul McCartney and, and the crew, well, who's your influences? Who's your favorite artist? And they started naming all these right off the paper who, uh, you know, Howlin' Wolf and blah. And, 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 the, and the, the irony uh, was the interviewers didn't know the names that they were being being uh, answered with, uh, but obviously, you know, the Beatles do. So, so, I mean, that's just another illustration of that connection. Yeah, really. And well, let's face it, the history of contemporary music wouldn't exist without the influence of uh, Af African-American music, basically. So um, I've got some great quotes that people said about you here. Hold on a sec. I've got to check this out. Hold on. Um, you were called a great messenger. I call him doctor because he's always trying to cure everything. <laughs> I just thought that was, I thought that was the best quote. Um, clearly, I'm going to embarrass you now, but um, you are well loved. I mean, you, you know, I know. I mean, I, I'm I'm a kind of on a much smaller scale, an organizer of people, and uh, and a kind of what would they call it in the fat in in the in the fa in fancy terms, like an animateur, I put people together and you know see put the ingredients together in the chemistry set and see what happens. And um, you definitely are that person. I mean, how it takes a lot of energy that stuff. So you it must be a bigger organizer. Um, obviously, it's like a a, a a a joint effort between you and the other members of Sounds of Blackness. But somebody's got to be responsible for kind of being the, the kind of benevolent dictator at the heart of it. Is that you? You know, it, it, it's so <laughs> ironic that you uh, use that term, uh, Martin, because I've been uh, described many times as a benevolent dictator. <laughs> so that's when you said that. Uh, but, but uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm blessed and have been over the years. I, I should say a couple of things about our membership um, that, that, that your, your followers and listeners may not know. Uh, one, I'm currently the only original member uh, of Sounds. You know, again, this is our 51st anniversary. And a, a number of our yeah, current members, Martin, are actually offspring of uh, the children of some of our original members. Of course, the Jamaica right. uh, one of our featured soloists, is the daughter of Ann Nesby. Uh, and, and it goes on. We've got uh, Cynthia Johnson, who we mentioned. Her daughter is Anika. Uh, is, and and there's, there are several more. And so this is really Sounds of Blackness uh, second generation. But from first to second generation, Martin, uh, we've been blessed with uh, talent 
but but good hearts uh, and and like-minded people, which you know, as an organizer, you know, is is a is an essential component to try to make uh, you know a group dynamic work. Exactly. And the other thing I want to mention is so that all all your followers know all of that wonderful uh, instrument instrumental accompaniment. Sounds of Blackness. We have a ten-piece band, and they're amazing, uh, including, of course, our horn section. Um, and so, those tracks that you hear are Sounds of Blackness band. That's not hired help or or outside musicians or side session musicians. Uh, they're all members of Sounds of Blackness. Wow. Well, it is. It's. Um, it's definitely. It must be an honor for people to be included in this. Uh this uh, th this organization because it's like a kind of endorsement of the quality because everything you do uh and uh you know everybody should out there should go and listen to everything you can by these guys it's it's uh, all available to hear is of the highest quality um when i was starting out uh, with heaven 17 a lot of our uh, uh, chosen musicians came from the reason I asked the church question in the first instance was because a lot of the musicians that we work with came from places like Hackney and uh, and the church scene. You know, there was a big kind of... They would have been enormous fans of yours, for instance, and whatever. So, um, and... Um, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it's everywhere in the in the US. In the, in the UK, it's not quite as... Uh, as front and center so to find people who are so on the same wavelength they had to club yes. together you know and they're the, they're the kind of musicians that we use so um i'm just rambling on now but i just to say i know exactly how good your musicians are they are of the highest quality and i, I can hear it in everything they play so tell me a bit little bit about them actually because they probably don't get as much attention as the singers right well, um, in contrast to singers, uh, Brother Martin, um, uh, in Sounds of Blackness, the band, many of our band, now they're not original members, but we have our band uh, with maybe one exception, exception we have a new, uh, one of our, trump we have two trumpets and now one of our newer uh, uh, trumpet players is, is a newer uh, gentleman, Trevor uh, Riveron. Uh, and, but other than him, uh, the Sounds band Really, we've got like 20, 30 year veterans um, that have uh, been with the sounds, you know, for 20, 30 years. Uh, our assistant director, our brother Billy Steele, um, is is amazing keyboardist and uh, singer, producer, writer, uh, arranger. Uh, and so uh, he also has uh, contributed immensely, uh, not only to sounds band, but to our repertoire. Uh, we're blessed with a, a cadre of, of uh of writers and producers, our drummer, uh, uh, Larry Robinson, we call him Big L. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, a great crew uh, that we're blessed with. And I got that, you know, my Brother Martin, uh, I've heard it when I would sit in interviews with Jam and Lewis, and, and sometimes they would be asked the question uh, by the interviewer, uh, what, are their, what is their criteria for deciding who they would work with? And, and their answer would surprise people. Uh, they would say, the first thing we look for is a good heart. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I mean, obviously, it's assumed that if someone's even in the equation, that they have that level of talent and all that. So, so ability is not not the issue, but the issue is how are they to work with? What's the vibe going to be like? Because that comes across in the track. So, uh, we we apply that to sounds of blackness as well, and I know you're aware of that. 
Totally. And uh, I'd go even further. I'd say in in my creative endeavours and my um, collaborations and, and productions, I only have one rule, no assholes, you know. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I even, love even it. if I don't realise they're assholes in the first place, if they turn out to be assholes, they're out. Uh, I don't, because, you know what, uh, Gary, we have to, we are ju- I think we're judged by the company we keep. Yes, yes. And I can't afford to, uh, I've spent 40 odd years building up my reputation, I can't afford to mess it up now. So <laughs> I've got to work <laughs> with good people, <laughs> with a good heart, who I know, are, uh, you know, have got their heart in the right place and want to do things for the right reason. Yeah. So, as you say, there's, a, there's an absolute universe of talent out there. That's not, that's not really the issue. The issue is, are we on the same wavelength? Um, is that yeah. how I view and that wavelength is so important because, as you know, uh, music literally is vibration and vibration is life. And not to get too deep or, or wax too philosophical with it, but but that 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 affects so everything great. to be literally on the same wavelength. <laughs> literally, I um, I did a session with um, uh, with Phoenix Horns, uh, which was I mean, they're just the greatest and. Um, uh, they um, they signed a photo for me at the end of the session, and all they put on it was vibrations. I thought that was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been good vibrations, but also you know, actually, I've done quite a lot of work with um, he- uh, healing vibrations. Um, I don't know if you want to hear about that, but uh, any- anyway, I tell you one story, which is that the um, the uh, vi- the the frequency of, of 111 hertz uh, puts your uh, uh, switches off half of your prefrontal cortex and puts you in a trance. Try it out. Wow, <laughs> it's true. Wow, scientifically proven. Oh, I have no doubt, man. Yeah, I have no doubt. You know, I mean, it's it's and you know the the, the healing. Uh, well, of course, you you know, Stevie Wonder was so right when he called music the universal language. But there's so much healing in the music. Uh, you know, medicine acknowledges that. I mean, that's even in a lot of faith traditions uh, that, 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 you know, music is a bomb to the soul and all that. kind. Of, so, I mean, we all know that now we don't use it to the extent that we could. Um, but that that definitely is a reality. Totally a reality. And when when. Um I did. I, I, I did a, a, a concert tour <clears throat> called uh, Future of Sound, where we were using. I've got a three-dimensional sound system, and we sub, sub, we immerse people in sound. And um, one of the things that I discovered, the people we were working with, was this 111 hertz thing. And we actually created a piece based on uh, with a choir based on 111 hertz. And we said oh, to the, wow. uh, we went onto the radio and said, we're going to put the audience in a trance. <laughs> I <free>. love it, <laughs> and we did. And uh, actually, we didn't last long enough to put them in a trance. But a lot of people af- afterwards were going, "Wow, that really gave me a headache." Or <laughs> I felt <laughs> felt like I'd taken some uh, uh, taking some kind of uh, uh, you know kind of calming tablets or something. Anyway, um, yeah. But that, we could have an entire hour talking about that stuff. Um, so you <laughs> went you you went to Ghana with Stevie Wonder in '94. Is that right? Yes, we surely did, and that was 
uh, as even Richard Pryor said, uh, a life-changing experience when he uh, urged uh, every uh, African-American to, to make it part of their life's uh, journey and goals to, to visit uh, uh, the motherland, as he said, at least once. He said, you'll never be the same. And he was absolutely right. Uh, we were blessed to go, as you say, um, uh, Brother Martin, with Stevie Wonder. Uh, and Stevie, uh, just as on a side note quickly, has been a huge friend and supporter from day one of Sounds of Blackness. Uh, and so All we've right. been blessed to travel with him, uh, you know, to, to Europe, to South America. Uh, to, we recorded out at Paisley. We've done uh, projects together. We've talked, we've cried, we laughed, we sang. But, but yes, uh, Stevie brought us to uh, Panafest, the Pan-African Music, Music Festival uh, in uh, Cape Coast in Accra. And we were there for uh, about a week and it was uh, a life-changing experience. And we're, uh, we thank God and we're forever indebted to our dear friend, Brother Stevie Wonder. Yes, absolutely. It changed my life, definitely. And um, so have you incorporated, oh, this is probably a stupid question, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, have you uh, consciously incorporated um, uh, different regional uh, African types of music into your into you know experiments you've run with sounds of blackness. Oh no, a very very deliberate, uh, uh, Martin. Uh, from we've always had sounds of blackness uh, in our repertoire, of, uh, songs uh, that uh, from the motherland. And we, we three or four different languages uh, that some directly are just uh, straight up uh, pieces different. You know whether it's uh, Bantu, Zulu, or you know Swahili. We've got Harambe, we've got Ogunde, uh, so okay. song in, uh, in, in uh, Swahili, in Zulu, uh, I mean, um. in, in, in three or four different languages. Uh, we, and we've always had, and we still have those in our, we just did a song, well, I say just, it was a few years ago, uh, that, of course, in the uh, Zulu language, uh, I know you're familiar with the, the word and concept Ubuntu, right. uh, that... Uh, 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 Bishop Tutu popularized, uh, yeah. but you know, I am because we are is basically the English translation of the concept. And uh, so that's our most recent uh, um, African uh, based song. So that's always been a part of Sounds of Blackness repertoire and always will be. Great. And, uh, and our um, current uh, Juneteenth celebration is uh, definitely a very Ghanaian, Nigerian, uh, Afrobeat. Uh, uh, oriented right. as well. So, uh, and that, like I say, we just released a couple of weeks ago, Juneteenth celebration. Excellent. I saw that on your on, on your website. It's really good. Um, <clears throat> so, tell us about some of the African famous African artists that you've um, I, I presume you've worked with. I would say uh, the most famous, uh, rest his soul, uh, the great uh, Nigerian master drummer. Uh, Baba Tunde Ola Tunje, uh, and and I, I know you're you're very familiar with him, and of course uh, his work with Carlos Santana uh, yeah. uh, exposed him to to a lot of, of even a broader audience. Uh, and when when we <laughs> you talk about the title of master drummer, uh, it was it couldn't be more appropriate. Uh, Martin, he could he could play simultaneously in three different time signatures. I mean, it was just like ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so we were blessed to 
uh, uh, grace uh, a stage with him and even just to be in his presence uh, on a few different occasions. Um, but he would certainly uh, be at the top of the list. Yeah, really. And um, did you ever meet... Um Hold on, well, I've got my notes here. And you asked about other artists, uh, both uh, Hugh Masekela and, and uh, you know, oh, and, yeah. the, and Makeba. Uh, so, so yeah, they've, they've been a while. And, and uh, my goodness, uh, Dance Theater of Senegal, um, Lady Smith Black Mombazo. I mean, yeah, the, the list goes on and on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm kind of envious, to be honest. Um, I, I'm, I, uh, yeah. Incredible. I'd love to do some work with some African musicians. I've never had a chance to do it. Um, did you ever meet Curtis Mayfield? We were blessed. Uh, my goodness, the late, great Curtis Mayfield, um, one of my all-time favorites, and I'm sure yours too. Oh, uh, my God, uh, yes. but we, we were blessed to, uh, uh, in terms of musically, uh, Martin, be a part of the Curtis Mayfield tribute album. Uh and uh, we did a, a track with with Elton John, <laughs> speaking of the, that connection again, uh, amen, in, in honor of, of course, obviously, of uh, Curtis Mayfield. Wow. Um, i tell you why, why I ask, because um, he was going to be, I do a series of albums called, uh, under the name British, British Electric Foundation, which is like electronic soul versions, cover versions, with unexpected singers. And... Um, I did one in 92 and uh, I, uh, I contacted Curtis and went to meet him in Rotterdam. He was performing there and he agreed to do it. And, unfor and unfortunately, he had an accident, you know, the accident yeah. uh, a, mon a month after that. So it never happened. But fast forward to fast forward to um, a year ago, was it a year ago, uh, George Floyd? Um, I was asked to create a... Uh, uh, an art piece, a public sound art piece in in the centre of London, um, to uh, to to bring it to public attention and to you know to kind of make a point uh, about Black Lives Matter. And so I I took the um, one of my favourite songs of his called "To Be Invisible," um, mm. which I think is one of the most incredible lyrics. Oh, um, his lyrics are amazing. I mean, uh, as a as a kind of, you know, I'm a, I, you know, I'm an older white guy, but I, I mean, to me, that completely embodies the the kind of. He was quite a humble kind of soul, anyway, as I saw. But um, but that kind of um, in you know, burnt into the DNA, lack of confidence that must must be part of the black experience for a lot of people. Um, yes. Anyway, so I, I created, sorry, to, uh, I'll just finish this. We we created a, a, a three-dimensional soundscape which played in Notting Hill um, and uh, based on the on, on that song with uh, kind of sound effects from the actual riots that were going on in London and some, some uh, recordings of the you know, the horrible, um, you know, kind of TV co coverage and and stuff. It's very powerful. I'll, I'll send you a copy of that as well. Um, yeah. So Black Lives Matter was a big, big, big thing over here as well as in America. And uh, just like to let, let you know that. So uh, it's not just the US where it had a major impact. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Curtis, uh, my God. Uh, and even going back to the impressions, Curtis Mayfield, the impression. I mean, yeah, worldwide, yeah. you're absolutely worldwide influence uh, internationally. You're absolutely right. Not even a question. Yeah. And um, I was lucky enough to work with Layla Hathaway, um, who is just tremendous. When she was about 21, I think. Um, and uh, we did um, fa family affair with her. That was ama amazing. And I, so, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm a big soul fan and I've got to fortunately work with uh, people associated with that scene in America a lot of the time. Um, well, we're getting towards the end of the uh, the, the, the talk. Um, I just want to I want to talk about education because um, I think education is at the core of everything that as as kind of upstanding members of the community and hoping to set a good example both creatively and uh, and spiritually. We've got to keep pushing this positivity agenda all the time. And uh, 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 how do you feel feel about that? Because I just get I, I just get frankly uplifted by your music. Oh, bless you, sir. That that's on behalf of the group. We can't tell you. I mean, the Grammys and all those are great accolades, and, and we treasure them. But what you just said uh, is what it's all about. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, and and you know, we we say that what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And, and we mean that as Sound of the Blackness. So we, we say all the time that we uh, bring the music of the Black experience to people of all backgrounds. Uh, because as Stevie said, you know, the music is the universal language. And, and always seeking to inspire people through the music of our experience. Uh, because at, at the core, uh, we are all a human family. And, and, and our lyrics uh, hopefully reflect that um, in terms of what we try to say as a group. Absolutely. So the responsibility that you have and and every musician has is to act as a a soothing balm against the you know the the rampant cynicism <clears throat> of uh, today's world, particularly the politicians. And uh, we yes. need to, we need to keep everything toward uh, everything that's good and right towards the top of the agenda not get cowed by the negativity and and to actually keep pushing things forward because what's happening at the moment certainly in the uk is all the advances that have been made <coughs> which have been hard fought for are being pushed back all the time i think we and need to be equally thing, positive the exact same thing here in the u.s yeah and so we, I won't let it happen, and I, I'm sure you won't, and that's for sure. Um, and, yeah, total kudos and respect for everything that you're doing. Um, right, here's the stupid bit of the interview. So I always ask, it's not stupid, but, you know, it's kind of more flippant. Or is it? Um, it's, it's just a, a series of things asking your favourite things, really. So... Um, these don't have to be definitive. It's not a test. It's just like anything that pops into your head, really. So what's your favorite film? What is my favorite film? Oh, my goodness. That's a tough one. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. I always try to answer everything I'm asked. So I'm, I'll, I'll <laughs> really try to do that with this. Um, just one oh, of them. Goodness. 
Wow. One one that you keep coming back to maybe or has provided a, a real inspiration for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it almost comes down to to me to the genre or period of time or whatever, you know, as opposed to one overall favorite uh, because there are so many. Um, but certainly, out or near the top of the list uh, would be uh, Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, listen, that was no joke. That film, that was that really opened people's eyes a lot. Yeah. Yes. And it's the confidence that emerged from it. Yes, it was absolutely. Really, it's Afrofuturism thing. Really interesting, I think. Very positive. Yes, it was. It is. And, and Black Panther 2 is, uh, I understand, on its way. And we, we hope to be a part of the soundtrack if we can. We're, we're, we're lobbying for that. And, but I know yeah. everybody. <laughs> I'm sure everybody wants to be part of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there a is there a do you have a favorite book that inspired you or or you go back to? A favorite book. Um. Uh, again, that's that's almost as uh, as as difficult as a favorite movie. But I don't mind difficult questions because um, they're 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 very good questions, thought provoking. Um. Oh my goodness. Um, certainly, uh, one of them, uh, would be, uh, Lerone Bennett, uh, before the Mayflower, um, right. speaking of education, uh, uh, teaching, learning about one another and, and background and all the, the history that's been, uh, uh, obfuscated and, 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 uh, sidestepped it is a first step and 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 really bringing people together really having a common understanding and really seeing each other as equals when we know the contributions uh, that have been made uh for all of our lives so yeah i would say uh, at or near the top of the list are Lerone bennett uh before the mayflower this is uh, one of the reasons i ask these questions is because people love the recommendations of things they maybe have not discovered themselves so it's yeah. part of the educational process, you know. Um, however, asking you your favorite TV show probably isn't. So what's your favorite TV show? <laughs> favorite TV show? Oh, my goodness. It oh. could be an old one, a new one, a box set, uh, Netflix, <laughs> anything you want. Oh, my goodness. Well, again, if I could just qualify my answer slightly, uh, Martin, with uh, saying at or near the top of the list uh, would, would be uh, The Twilight Zone. Oh, I loved that when I was growing up. Oh, my now, God. Now, now, you know, and, and, and the reason uh, is this. Um, growing up as a kid uh, back in New York, you know, in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, uh, when you barely saw, you know, black faces on TV, Rod Serling always had uh, people of color uh, featured in the Twilight Zone. And, and we would run, I'm sure you've heard this story before from your African-American friends back in the day when we would say, mommy, mommy, there's some black people on TV when it was really a thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and uh, it, it's funny, it's sad, but funny as well. And, and I get that. Um, but, but he, in fact, the history of that, uh, which some of your listeners may not know, uh, a lot of uh, uh, sponsors, in, especially in the South, would not play the Twilight Zone yeah, yeah. Because, because he featured African-American actors. So Rod Serling was a pioneer. Uh, and, and of course, the excellence of the of the productions and the writing, uh, I mean, goes without saying. Um, your favorite other musical artist or composer? 
Oh, no, that's an easier one. Uh, definitely the Godfather of Soul, James Brown. Yes. Yes. I, I <laughs> my friend, my friend used to manage him, um, Super Frank, and uh, 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 I got to meet him a couple of times. What a unique character! Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. He told me a very funny story. He said he used to plan his touring schedule around avoiding any stops near Kentucky Fried Chicken because that's all he ever wanted to eat. And he said he put so much weight on that they actually, he never knew, he never knew. They just made yeah. it. He said, you know, wanted to have it. They wanted him to have healthy options and uh, all he wanted was KFC. Anyway. Um, <laughs> funny. Um, right, an epiphanal moment in your life. A mm. moment of realization or a handbrake turn or conversion on the road to Damascus, all those things, any of those things. Um, Light bulb moment. Yeah. Okay. I mean, certainly, of course, a, a literal one. You know, um, you know, just uh, uh, coming to an end and, and accepting God and then Jesus Christ. You know, as as a youth. Um, but then, in terms of actually the application of that, um, uh, on even a greater degree and level, uh, probably came from the words of uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi uh, when he basically told us that we needed to be the change that we want to see. Uh, if you want peace, you have to be peace, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that, uh, to me, um, was a an expression of, of the tangible application of all the tenets of faith, you know, put put today, uh, to put to use in everyday uh, situations. Very concisely put. Very good. <laughs> Very impressive. Um, okay, which of your own work are you most most proud of? Wow. Um, and then back to the more difficult ones. <laughs> James yeah, Brown yeah, was yeah. the uh, although right next to James Brown is Marvin Gaye and Duke Ellington, whatever, but but James Brown definitely. But in terms of uh, my most, oh my goodness, I think. Uh, uh, oh goodness! I think that our our most recent recording is is sonically and lyrically and and compositionally uh, uh, at or near the, my best uh, Juneteenth celebration. Everything from the 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 again the Afrobeat uh, uh, percussion uh, uh, arrangement to the horn arrangement, uh, the vocals, the lyrics. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I think that's that's at or near the top of the list. Juneteenth celebration. So hopefully that's an indication of of, of getting better as we go along with this. Uh, but I, <laughs> we'll be looking. I, I just uh, um, a cap to you to the answer to your question, uh, Martin. Is I, I also subscribe to the the uh, the belief of of the late great Chet Atkins, uh, the great country artist, who, as I know you know, was also a great writer. And I I've heard some of his interviews, and he would be asked about you know how he wrote such great songs. And I love what he said. He said there are no songwriters; all music is given. And 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 I basically uh, you know subscribe to that theory. And then since it's given to us, I you know if I can just add to that, I think then it becomes our job not to mess it up. You know, <laughs> I, I, could, I could have said 
more poignantly, but you know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, I know very, very much what you mean. I mean, do you ever? Um, this is a side, a side question, but do you ever kind of wake up in the morning when you're kind of half asleep and you have an idea for a song and you you're thinking, oh my god, I'm going to forget it before I get to the studio, and you rush for a recorder or some description. The answer is absolutely yes. And and again, taking a, a page out of uh, the great Duke Ellington, you know, uh, Duke uh, said in his interviews and uh, that he would literally keep uh, um, a, a small recorder with him, hand recorder, at all times, uh, because you never know. And, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this, uh, where something really a great uh, impactful uh, uh, came to you, like you say, in that moment of sleep or, or when you were doing something totally different, when you were mowing the lawn or yeah, whatever yeah, kind yeah. of thing, you know, here, here comes the muse, you know, and then you have to stop it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and you know what I've learned is, is number one, if you don't get immediately to it, it, it can go run away from you. And I, your head shake tells me, you know what I mean? And then to me, what's almost even a little bit worse is that, uh, it can go away, and and then you you recall it, but you know it's not the same as what you had. That's to me is almost as bad as, or almost worse than then forgetting it totally. It's yeah. like okay, but this isn't it. This isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, you're describing my life basically. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you're self-taught, right? Mm. Uh, uh, yes, I. Yeah, I mean, me too. I never, I've never had a music lesson in my life. So let that be an inspiration to all you kids out there who think you, you know, you have to go to music college. You don't. That's that's the truth. Right. Um, okay. Uh, nearly, nearly at the end. Um, uh, is there a song that you wished you'd written? Wow. Um, there are many. Uh, now that takes me. Oh my goodness, uh, especially to Marvin Gaye, uh, who, like I said, was right at the top there, you know, with James Brown. But going back to The Godfather, um, there, there are many, uh, Martin, but probably, again, at or near the top of the list to qualify it just a little bit. Uh, I'd have to say uh, James Brown, uh, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Because uh, the reason uh, with that song, and and I've talked uh, about this song with, with a lot of my, my my white friends and all like that, and that they understood and got it, but but a lot of them didn't know the depth of that, and and that how deep colorism uh, has been a part of of uh, the negative uh, uh, um, after effects of 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 uh, you know three to four hundred years of of the of the slave experience, uh, where. Uh, if you're lighter skin, you're more accepted. If you're darker brown, you're okay. But it, they they would even say if you're white, you're all right. If you're brown, you can stick around. But if you're black, stay back. And and uh -huh. that 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 yeah. type of mentality, you know, uh, uh, was goes back to the slave plantation, but still permeates to this day uh, skin color. And so uh, when I've been asked sometimes what I think the most uh, impactful, important song in, in African-American history is, and I say not lift every voice and sing, not to be young. I mean, there are so many. Uh, Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, there is so We Shall Overcome, Martin Luther King. Clearly to me, within in that one three-minute song, uh, James Brown uh, dispelled 400 years of, of, of uh, negative orientation, not only to... to 
to claim your, your blackness, the color of your skin and the attributes with it, but to say it loud and proudly. Uh, uh, and, and, and so to me, you know, that's what Sounds of Blackness is all about because it's about humanity. Um, and and uh, that, that's a great song really about humanity. Wow, that's a great answer. Um, I, I'm, uh, one of the other questions um, that I left out, but I'm gonna ask it you now. So if you weren't, if you had to be a musician, and leader, what, uh, what, what is there an alternative career that you think you might have been suitable for? Well, back in the day, and in fact, even when I started college, I mean, I, I was you know supposed to be pre-law and, and and be an attorney and all that kind. Of, but even even as I was going through uh, you know those courses and all that kind of thing, uh, Martin uh, at McAllister College again, where sounds of blankness began. I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I wanted to, you know, do music full time. And uh, it was one of my professors, as a matter of fact, um, speaking of mentors, uh, Professor Mahmoud El-Khati is, is the father of the great R&B artist Stokely, formerly of, of Mint Condition. Wow. Um, and yeah, Stokely's dad, Professor Mahmoud El-Khati, is a great professor of African-American history. And he was there at McAllister and mentored us in those early days. But something he said stuck with me. He said that, your passion should be your profession. Yeah, yeah. And so that—that's what was persuasive for me, Martin. Yeah. Well, well, that's a great way to end it. I think um, it's mm -hmm. been such a joy talking to you. I can't tell you. I just feel like it's a pity I can't just jump over that big pond and give you. A <laughs> and, well, the feeling, uh, oh, my friend. Thank you so much. And um, you know, next time you come to the UK. I shall keep a lookout and we need to meet up and, and I can shake your hand because the work Absolutely. you're doing is spectacular. I really, not just from a musical point of view, but from a societal point of view, you should feel very proud of yourself, I think. Oh, bless you, my brother. Thank you so much. And I, I'm, I'm promising you that the, the, soon, the next time we, as soon as we get an inkling that we're going back across the pond, you will be among the first to oh, know. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And thanks for your patience with all the technical stuff. And um, um, God bless. God bless Sounds of Blackness. That's, that's what um, And God bless you, Brother Martin. Thank all you. All right, man. I'll see you later. All right. Cheers, Take man. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Well, that was Gary. Um... And what an impressive person he is. I mean, he could really be... Uh, he is a leader in some kind of spiritual sense as well for this particular thing. Uh, also a great producer. As I mentioned in the discussion, he worked with some incredibly famous people. Many awards. Big supporter of black rights. Uh, somebody called him a humble visionary, which I really like. He's a direct but fair natural leader, somebody else mentioned. Just think he's kind of cool, and the stories about Alexander O'Neill and you know that entire scene up in Minneapolis, um, very interesting indeed. Um, and you know his connection with Africa, really, it's a big insight into a a, a world that I've always been uh, inspired by and, and fascinated by. How is everyone? It's getting towards summer now in London, and um, you can tell it's getting towards summer because um, w Wimbledon's coming up and the rain clouds are gathering. Um, it's actually not that warm either. 
Um, but anyway, everybody seems to be a bit more cheerful and um, certainly extremely busy in the centre of London where I live. Um, the tourists seem to be coming back. Um, and uh, so, you know, let's be grateful that something, uh, that we're not all just miserable all the time like we were during COVID times. Um, if you have any comments about the show, if you wish to give me any encouragement, that's good. Electronically, Martin with a Y at gmail.com. I read all the emails. Be very happy to respond to them in time or directly, depending on how urgent they are. I find it interesting though being in direct contact with you guys. Um, also, please consider contributing to my Patreon site. You go to patreon.com and type in electronically hours and it'll take you to the page. And for the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of beer, you can help keep this going. Um, I don't get any patron support at the moment. So um, all contributions gratefully received. Um, I put a lot of effort and time into this and um, I appreciate your help. Thank you very much. I will see you next week. Bye. Bye.